0: the one thing I have to do. Welcome to episode 48 of the Watchtop Emo podcast. I'm Tom Mollin from WatchtopEmo.com. This episode, we welcome Mike O'Brien, former SNL writer and cast member. Found out he was into hardcore and emo, so he had to chat. So uh, for this episode, we talk about the old school days of the Midwest and uh, we had a really great time. Couldn't have be happier to have Mike on the show. Uh, he has a sketch comedy album called Tasty Radio, which is influenced by the classic sketch albums from Adam Sandler days. It features slew of guests, including Fred Armisen, Bill Hader, Jason Sudeikis, and the list goes on and on. Check it out at the end of the month. Tasty Radio from Mike O'Brien. And as always, this episode is sponsored by Epitaph Records, epitaph.com. Uh, thank you for doing this, Mike. We are here uh, in New York City. We're about to have a hurricane come through probably by the uh, the amount of um, lines that I've seen drawn on the eastern seaboard. I don't know if you've seen that on the news, but it seems like it's going to hit every single state, or they have no idea. Um, so <laughs> thankfully we're here, and uh, Mike, uh, the writer from SNL and also from Seven Minutes of Heaven, which I'm a big fan of, from way back in 2011 – um,
1: yeah
0: yeah back in the day back in the day uh and uh Mike I know you're a big fan of you know punk rock and hardcore and I would love to kind of f- find out like uh, how how do you, how you got into it and how it was sort of how you went instead of to the EDM kid and you're a you know sort of a punk rock kid Yeah
1: absolutely uh first of all thanks for having me on um I was uh, excited to uh talk with you about this um so uh all I got to do it, I think, was um, through friends, of course. Um, when I was a freshman in high school, I saw this is uh, not exactly emo. I don't even know what you would call this, but my first show was The Dead Milkman. Remember no. them? Hell yeah. Uh, and uh, they threw cereal on the crowd and everything. And I, I like the, the next concert I saw was U2. And, you know... Um, both were great, but there was something definitely about the Dead nuff Men show that I was like, I think I want more of this. Um, a few left TV screens. Um,
0: Where was the and, show? Uh, what's that? Where was the show?
1: It was in Detroit. All the shows um, I went to were in Detroit growing up. I, I grew up an hour and a half south of there, and it was on a, uh, like roof of a uh, parking garage. Um, I don't remember... I could almost get the name, but, um, that was the only time I went to that one, but we went a lot to, um, St. Andrew's Hall, um, State Theater. And these were kind of, I don't know if they're still there and like this, but they were kind of like gutted churches a lot of times and stuff that would just be, um, uh, music venues at that point. And, um, so yeah, I worked at a, uh, ribbon, uh, printing factory, like first place, second place ribbon. And, uh, all the uh, guys that worked there were, like, two years older than me, and they were all, like, real punk um, fans and vegan and would give me shit about my hand sandwich every day to leave a lot of, like, grotesque photos of slaughtered cows on my work face and stuff. <laughs> and, uh, but they, uh, they had me getting into uh, a lot of great punk and then going to the live shows, and that's how I, I got hooked in from the live shows. Probably the first band I saw live, and we saw them maybe five times, in the course of like a year and a half, um, was Avail from Richmond.
0: Hell fucking yeah.
1: They're such a great live show. And then Billinger 4 was soon after. And both shows just all of a sudden you're kind of standing around awkwardly for an hour. And then all of a sudden the first, uh, you know, guitar and, and drums and, and all these bands all did the thing where they all jump at once to start the show. Mm-hmm. Usually, and you just get shoved in the back by like, a, a I don't know, eighty people all at once, and it was such a rush.
0: I love those shows, dude. I I think Avail, if they had come a little bit later, I feel that they would have caught that other wave of those sort of punk rock bands that maybe Hot Water or uh, some of the other bands in that time frame. They were there, just I don't know, with with Bobo being this this guy that was in the band that just danced and like was like the like the hype man. Um, clone, yeah. clone will always have a special place in my heart. That that record.
1: Yeah, that, uh, or Dixie, right?
0: Yeah, Dixie. Sorry, oh. and Clone's a song. Yeah, yeah. And then 4 AM yeah. four, four, 4 Friday. Just sl- yeah. Slamming Those are two
1: albums that they were like touring when when I was uh, first finding out about them, and they were so great. And we'd have lengthy debates at the print shop about which of them are were better. I'd two years younger than the other guys. I thought four AM Friday was better. You look back now, and they're so similar, but it felt "4AM" felt different when it came out. Um, yeah, it it felt yeah. cleaner. Yeah, it was it seemed maybe a little more produced, which uh, is a pro and con. But yeah, to the older guys, they didn't like it.
0: <laughs> so then, going to those shows, were you meeting other people? What 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 about that scene kind of connected you, or, or that that you felt connected to? Was it the music? Was it the friends? Was it what was sort of connecting?
1: I think it was a mixture of um i think uh the music was so exciting to me i just um i i was most influenced music-wise growing up before that by my older sisters and um you know they they liked cool stuff they got me into the pixies and stuff but that was as hard and fast as it would go and um this was like uh, just such a release and, and i liked punk music from the 70s, but it felt a little, there's something about this that felt even faster and louder and everything. And, um, uh, so I, it was mostly the music, although I really liked these guys a lot. Um, we didn't, and I'm still friends with, with, uh, the main two or three that I was buddies with then. Um, and we didn't, uh, really socialize a lot with the other people at the show. It's partly because we did drive an hour and a half afterwards. But, you know, we didn't linger or, um, problem with a big group it was just one car load or two car loads of us and then we'd walk back out to the car just soaked in sweat and ride an hour and a half back south down to where we lived so um uh but those those guys felt cool they were all juniors in high school and I was a freshman and uh uh and yeah just just the, the volume and weirdness of it and and being in um A place, it was fun when you would pull up and you could, if you didn't know the address, you could know the venue by the look of the people out front. Exactly. Um, And that felt like you were in a cool club where we were all wearing baggy jeans real low and and, uh, rock t-shirts.
0: And then I always love to ask this too, road trips, going to these shows, I would drive in college, you know, if it was an hour or something or 45 minutes. I remember it was, you know, who had the mixtape? who uh who's going to ride shotgun um where were we going to stop on the way back to get food or i just i think of the conversations that we had then without the phone was something that i just think now you know i feel like you'd be all on your own phones listening to your own thing on spotify but then it's like four or five people you know snug into a Camry heading out of Detroit going back to the you know hometown and uh there's those Moments where you can kind of stare off. Did you think about that at all? Were you sort of appreciative of that time?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That that was a big part of it. It was they were like little road trips and buying dumb stuff at the uh, gas stations and stuff. Um, it was really fun and and uh, definitely a big part of it. Uh, we would sometimes. I lived down near Toledo, so we would sometimes go over to Cleveland and get. Um, like I think we did that with Tier Four, where we saw him Thursday in Cleveland and Friday in Detroit or whatever. Um, and so it was, it was a lot of driving, a lot of road trip feeling. And it was, uh, that was a great part about it for sure. And,
0: uh, you know, were, was it mostly the punk stuff? Were you getting into hardcore? Was there, did you hear about emo yet? Were you aware of it? Because a lot of those shows back then had all different genres. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't just like a punk rock show. It would be a bunch of different genres all in one tour even.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, um, we always used to joke about I would be a real man when I was a sky opener. Um,
0: You're my best but- friend now. I fucking hate ska. There's a kid that comes to our DJ nights and he always requests ska bands and I always have an interesting answer for him. And toward the end of the night, I'll play him like Less Than Jake, but I'll like wince through it all. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, I've I've been resistant. There's some that's fine and everything, but it's funny for being so close to the niche that I am real into. I I just can't do it. And yeah, you'd walk in and, see guys unpacking like 20 guys unpacking trumpets and you're we like oh fuck um, <laughs> uh, but, god uh, damn it <laughs> yeah i think because of that it, like emo felt to me like, in my first introduction like just a lead singer that could sing and um as opposed to yell um kind of on key like a lot of them and so i they were didn't seen that different like um some of them have like a soft or annoying or a whiny feel to them when you listen to the recordings, for a lot of those same ones live are so loud, and the guitars and drums and bass are going really hard and loud as well, and it's just a difference in um, the lyrics, which you can't really tell what is going on with those anyway. But the just the guy isn't yelling
0: mm-hmm. like
1: uh, you know. So we would see you know, promise ring one night and, uh, snap case the next and not realize we were going to two different genres. or something. they were just both bands. We liked.
0: that's great. Yeah. I'm seeing, uh, yeah, I mean, being able to have that sort of one day you're seeing this the next day that, and it felt normal. Um, and there, I think when you said those two bands, some people are like, well, there's no connection to it. Um, but there was, um, Cause a lot of, I mean, Promise Ring played hardcore shows probably, and Snapcase probably played. I mean, Snapcase did a tour with Dashboard. Um, yeah. So I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's like that. It's that. It's that community, and and I, I mean, I don't know if you have thoughts about it, but I I I've, I think about it often. um, That there was that sort of community aspect to it, and the bands were different, but they all kind of came from the same ilk. If it was all love of Fugazi or they all loved, you know, a, a certain time period, but it seemed, I don't know. Did, did you, did you sense that? Did you sense your other friends? Were they only into, were you guys only into one thing or was most people like totally down to going seeing Promisering one day and Snapcase the next? It was totally normal.
1: Most were totally the both. And, and then you had people who hated one or the other in an equal amount though. Some guys were like, oh, I hate meathead metal guys it, 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 for about a heavier thing. And I, another person in the group would be like, well, I hate pussy-type emo <laughs> stuff. And, and <laughs> so it wasn't like one head of stigma being the really better one or something. It was just subjective, and they're all great. It just depended on the band, really. look, I heard some, um, I think it was Get Up Kids interviews, Unfrequently, he said something like, um, "Well, I I don't know if we we're emo. I, I see a lot of these other bands were grouped in with as emo, you know, and the thing for us is we can all play our instruments really well. <laughs> like, kind of a little dig at some of the uh, um, lesser skilled bands, and I think that's what you were really appreciating. It's just like skill level, but the and those venues were all the same for both. You know, like that's you that um this is." right around when the internet was coming out, just because I was an 80-year-old. Um, and uh, one of the ways you found out about shows was the pictures in the, in the walls of the show you were at.
0: That was the message board. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, it's like, well, when's the next show? Well, here's a flyer. Uh, yeah, that, that sort of intimacy of... And that sort of, you you, you had to know, it, was, it, it wasn't it was easy. Uh, I mean, it might have been in the weekly uh newspaper but it's not you know it wasn't like uh that it was easy to find out what was going on it might have been a message board or someone I remember Trust Kill Records had that message board that had a lot of shows but um you 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 might have missed one or you didn't realize it was happening um and it it felt like you had yeah. to work it felt like you had to work a little bit <laughs> I
1: mean, I probably missed so many uh there's there's a lot of fans on my um Top ten lists of the category from that time that I never saw live, and I'm sure they were coming through, but it was hard.
0: <laughs> so what? Did, what is your? Did you? Did you? Did you make some lists?
1: Yeah, uh, today when I was thinking about talking to you, I was I was trying to think of when I got into these because they're not chronological to when the bands were biggest or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know how sometimes you'll get into them after they've broken up even or something. Um. One, by the way, just right off the bat, that I got into in college, and I know it's like a formation of some other groups, and definitely, this is the other way that was great to find out about bands was opening acts, non mm-hmm. non-ska openers were great, you know, you buy the CD on the way out, that thing, and <laughs> I saw Kid Dynamite once at um, Fireside Bowl in Chicago. I, I moved to Chicago after college and was um, still going to a lot of shows, and um, that was a there's a couple of great venues there, Empty Bottle and um I think it was called Fireside Lanes. I might be off on that word, but it was a bowl. I think it's out, Fireside like, Bowl. It. Bowl, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, Kid uh, Dynamite those, those is were, fucking amazing.
1: Yeah. Um, but what was, do you do you remember Kid Dynamite what Was this? I think it was they were really around for like two albums and yep. they were fun albums but I think they were a combination
0: of other bands or something. Yes. And everyone will yell at me that I don't know it offhand. It was members of kid dynamite and some more and, you know, shoot me guys if I don't remember, but the uh, yes, past members, it was like a little side project, but it got really big. I mean, one of the songs bookworm um, I loved yes. uh, that had such a great breakdown. Um, I'm a huge fan of breakdowns. It's probably my second favorite thing in the world other than uh, maybe pizza. Um, is 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 breakdowns. I uh I used to do a college radio show and I did a a countdown every year. In one year, Kaven won. I don't know if you ever remember Kaven. Um, and uh, they uh the drummer had called my college radio station to thank me. <laughs> he was like, our label said we won your breakdown of the year show for some podunk station in North Carolina. Um, but uh, I think uh, you know Kid Dynamite had that and it, it was fast. There were breakdowns. It was it was punky. Um. God, I wish they were still around.
1: Yeah, they they were great. I do think that lead guitarist was a guy I saw before and after, just like um, um, I uh, must have been a main thing again. I'm, I'm sure um, the internet would kill us. Um,
0: Here we go. I, 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 I just got it. Yeah, I, guitarist Dan Yemen... Uh, let's see here. Or like that
1: guy, he's a quarterback for the Giants. I think he had a brother somewhere. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. And then, uh, but I, I never saw these guys live, but I, I got into Texas as a region and lifetime. Um, Captain Jazz. I, I feel like we were emailing about, mm-hmm. uh, Jawbreaker. I had a bad, um, uh, cover band in, um, College that I was a lead singer, and Aaron Geller, and and we would we would do actually, what actually I found out later was done my my lead the beginning of the we would do non punk songs, punk songs that shouldn't even be punk, like yep. uh, Mop by Hanson and things like that, and uh, speed them up and everything, and um, make all the girls lead the parties which we realized later wasn't the goal, but but um, <laughs> we would do straight up covers of Jawbreaker too. We loved. That's
0: a great band. Uh is there is there video, is there audio of that? I think with that uh that, that might have to be found at some point.
1: It, there's a VHS somewhere at my parents house and uh I'll yeah, be, I'll I, be yeah.
0: more than happy to rip that. Actually Braid had sent me a box of VHS tapes to uh digitize, which I do that for free. So uh you know, Mike's saying this you know, if you'd like to send that in, I will I will I will rip that for you. <laughs> i am
1: definitely give it a shot. It'd be, it'd be both fun and embarrassing. Um, I think my roommate might have been okay, with guitar and drums, but I'm just yelling off key into this little amp, and I, I think I was using tiny whiteies and had like stuff written on me in magic marker, and, I mean, and um, it, was, it was so much fun. I mean, guys would come and just shove each other. We put holes in the walls with our house over and everything. It was, just, it was a blast.
0: So were but you in? I'm oh, sorry.
1: I was just going to say there were roommates, other roommates in the house that were not in the band. Good um, friends, of mine still. But at one point, we're like, honestly, guys, it's so funny. It's great. It's really funny. You're doing punk style. It's great. Um, none of the girls want to hear that. It's like an hour-long show that just alienates everybody really bad, <laughs> except like our 10 friends who wanted to show each other. So uh, we, we did break up the band.
0: Wow, were you in other bands in 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 college or even I guess in uh, Chicago as well, or was it more of just little fun stuff with your friends?
1: It was that was just kind of a perfect storm that um, uh, one roommate happened to own and play a lot of electric guitar, and then another happened to have a full drum set um, in the basement that he brought up to the living room, and so um, I, I haven't dabbled otherwise. I'm I'm pretty contented. I just. An avid fan of music because it, it's like a magic trick to me. as yeah. part of the fun is I, I don't have to do it; I just watch in
0: off. Did you do anything else with music? I know you had another zine, you know, with uh, comedy, but I didn't know if there was anything music related that you sort of contributed to other than going to shows and supporting the bands. Not
1: really. We um, in Chicago, there is always a a good relationship between music and comedy, and so um, I used to. Um, have a lot of shows where I would have musicians playing songs in between the comedy sketches or whatever, um, like, like SNL does, um, uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, sometimes more interwoven into the show and, um, I had friends who were very talented, but I would, I would have them come and, uh, play in the background and then their song would take over and then the next thing would start kind of, song ending a lot of that kind of stuff, um. Bob Nana from, uh, speaking of Braid, uh, was a roommate of a comedy friend of mine. Um, so he was around us a lot, and um, there was some, a lot of overlap like that. And still, I mean, we do uh, fundraisers and stuff at Second City every year. I slide back, and um, we do 24 hours of improv, and musicians come and play in between Tim uh, Deal and Jeff Tweedy and all these uh, people, great people play. So there's a, a real healthy marriage there between the two, I feel like.
0: That's really cool. That's, I love that. I, I, I want to see that. I, I want to come out for that next time.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's, uh, it's, I think it's a Monday before Thanksgiving this year, but yeah, it, it, and it's just, look, 12 of us will go the whole 24 hours and then get um, comedians and um, musicians coming and going the whole time. It's, it's really great. The, Woman who organizes it is married to Steve L. Beaton, so um, the legend. He, yeah, and they've been dating for forever. So between the two of them, they know every uh, cool musician, and so they they tap into a, a lot of amazing music guests. There's a lot of audiences um, kind of uh, putting up with some very exhausted improvisers trying to be funny as they wait for the next amazing. Musician uh, to come out and play like a one-on-one acoustic set or whatever,
0: it's pretty <laughs> often. <awesome. laughs> That's cool. What uh, I just I mean—it's an interesting kind of how we met was obviously through music, and there's this instant understanding. I mean, you just sang cap'n jazz. You know, it's almost like I had, you know, okay, well, we know the history, or we can, you know, connect on something when you're if it's on your, you know, if it's SNL and you're meeting, you know, if it's celebrities or people that are, you know, different and, and you maybe mention a band or you find out that they're into punk rock, is it, is it interesting? Is it, is is it fun to kind of find that out that oh, I had no idea that this person will, you know, was super into Jawbreaker too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's so,
1: so much fun. I, a couple of times a good night, you know, where At the end of it now, when I was in the cast, I wore a bagel or snapcase or or four shirts, and it was just a fun thing that people get so fired up when they see it. It's such a specific thing, and all 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 sorts of um, walks of life. Now, you know, you would never predict that the uh, um, the guy from the IT department sort of is like, oh hell yes, snapcase or something, live text or something. Um, (laughs) You're like, you did?
0: cool. <laughs> there, I mean, yeah. I, do you think, yes, maybe the ska kids do that, but maybe it's, you know, at like a D and D convention or something, but, uh, you know, for punk rock, um, is it, I just feel like there's that, I don't know. There was, I was at Ikea and this guy had a coalesce shirt and all I did was nod and he knew what I was doing. I,
1: I feel like that was really big at the time too. Um, you know, now it is very, like, nostalgic and fond and everything, but it was a very um, cool thing, like in high school, uh, to wear one of those shirts and, and just, like, uh, a bonding from the guy in a grade above you or something that you'd never talked to or something. It was, it was a very specific um, uh, little counterculture thing. It was big enough that there definitely were people you would run into throughout the day and filled and, um, and small enough to see like, kind of like you had a little, uh, side group.
0: Yeah. That's the Yeah. It's like you, it, yeah, you're right. It was specific enough where it's not a green day shirt. It wasn't like, okay, I got it. You know, you got that at hot topic or, you know, maybe you're, not, but if you're, if you, you're almost like one rung below, you're like the you're like the minor league or something instead of the major league, <laughs> but they're still right. legit, still right. huge. But you at least get it, yeah. Um, right. Wh-
1: and and I mean, was Green Day there at one point? That I know there's some discussion when was Duke their first album because
0: no, they had that- uh, Kerplunk and then a thousand thirty nine something something, uh, and those were uh-huh. those those two were Lookout.
1: Is that the same number of um, minutes in a year? Is, is that a tribute to rent? Maybe. <laughs> no. Um, so, they, yeah, because I remember they were talked about it as, as selling out, and I, I, that was a very present thing in my high school was um, Green Bay hating. And, um, wow. I'm, yeah, and I always wondered, I was like, what's going to happen if uh, – uh, A veil or someone has a song on the radio. I wonder if I'll, how I'll feel, how my friends will feel, and if we'll all turn on them. Because there wasn't a lot of thought put into it with the Green Bay thing. It was pretty much just, they're wealthy now, so they filled out. I I don't, I didn't know those earlier albums, so I don't know if they changed their style much or how they acted on stage or something, but I could imagine one of these other bands, you know, um, getting a song on. They, They had songs that were, just as uh, catchy as Longview and stuff and um, had a great live show and everything. So it would have been interesting. I don't, I didn't, I didn't have that happen with a band I liked, but it would have been um, interesting. Have you you experienced that?
0: I I always thought, yeah, Yeah. yeah, I always thought Sets Fire was like a couple years before, like they could have gotten like a, to be a big hardcore band or, or have that single um right, get up kids the same thing. I feel like it was just right before um uh, the Juliana theory i don 't know if you remember them, but they they uh they wrote kind of hooky stuff, but also were punk kids, and actually they were in like Christian hardcore bands, some of them uh so yeah, I just it 's funny to kind of and then you know the green day hating, I just think it 's because they got popular, and those songs were awesome um and then the punk kids were kind of like you lost a band, even though you know, everyone in your school had the same shirt. I, I think that's all that was on. Um, yeah. But it's, did you, uh, did you have any, I mean, if it got into like the two thousands and maybe post bleed American Jimmy world, were you aware of that sort of ex that second wave of that more poppy stuff that got on MTV, got on fuse or whatever the, the channel was, were you, were you out of it by then? Or were you, were, were you following it? Oh, uh, sorry.
1: When was this?
0: Like, I would say, like, 2002, 2003, 2004, uh, you know, if it's the Fuel by Ramen stuff or if it was, um, uh, what other labels? Um, God, I'm blanking. Uh, Um, like, just that kind of the, kind of the, kind of the, when Emo went pop. Yeah. Is
1: that, like, Fallout Boy or are they later or something?
0: Yes. That Um, is it. I definitely,
1: like, um, Secretly had a Fall Out Boy album on my iPod that I, I kind of liked, but uh, it was it, I was already becoming more like an old and crabby guy. I was like, "These guys are just not as cool as the bands I liked," and it purely might be just because they were uh, seven years younger than the bands I liked. But um, but yeah, I I kind of faded out of it, and then um, had locked it in, and still. Like when I'm working out, I still listen to the same 1998, 2000 albums, um, (laughs) around there that I was listening to before. So I haven't expanded that. I keep always expanding the music I'm listening to, but, um, I haven't followed that sort of great grandchildren of the the bands we've been talking about. Are there still, is there some band right now that are a bunch of 17 year olds who listen to, uh. Uh, Avail and then uh, write current songs like that, or yes. is it kind of uh, contest. There are.
0: Yeah, it's actually um, people have heard this story on the podcast, but it's it's worth repeating. There was this moment in 2010. I think it was 2009, even, and someone said, "Hey, Tom, did you know that there's all these bands in Philly?" that are sounding like midwest emo and i was like well are you joking no he sent me some of the bands if it was snowing or um algernon um there's a bunch of sort of that from that era and i was like this is this is crazy because before that it was sort of all pop and 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 excess and hair and all these things it had almost these 17 year olds 18 year olds had skipped and jumped over that period that you kind of you know, left and went back to nineties and sort of were doing that. And I attribute the internet to that. It was so easy for them to go back and listen. If it was on YouTube or it was on whatever streaming, it was easy for them to do that. So uh, 2010, I started hearing about more and there is this thing called emo revival. And there's bands that sound like they came out in 1998. Um, They could be sounding like Texas. The reason they could sound like American football or captain jazz. Uh, it, it's all kind of, but it's uh it's, it's very, very cool to hear a lot of these bands come back. And there's actually a bunch of bands. I'm probably, you'd, you'd, you probably be into. Um, and uh, it is funny, but still to this day, no one wants to, you know, touch the word. They're like, no, 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 I'm, I'm a, I'm, I'm a rock band. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like no one wants to like, Oh no, I love that. Like I'll say it forever, but there's just, yeah. no one I, wants to own up to it. Was, it's fine.
1: I wasn't a rock band that much better. That sounds like insane.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> we're we're a rock band, you know, like the video game or your your uncle or something. It's amazing. Um, I want to real briefly jump back to a thing you touched on in something else where you said that they were actually Christian. It's um, a weird But the same woman I'm talking about, Heather Winna, who runs that 24 hour thing at Second City every year, has uh, co directed a great documentary a few years ago about Christian punk bands called uh, uh, Why Should the Devil Have All the Good Music? I think. And um, it's really worth looking up if you you haven't seen it. I think it's about. I mean, I've seen it, but I think the festival that they go to is called Cornerstone, and it's a Christian music festival. Yes, it is. And there's like a punk tent there, and it was this big thing in the documentary of when bands are kind of coming out by going there, because a lot of them just use a lot of pronouns, but it turns out all the pronouns they're using are actually Jesus, and not like uh, friends of theirs or girls they're breaking up with or something (laughs) from there, and then. Their fans have the dilemma of once they come out as Christian of do we like them or not, and then there's the ones that are just full on Christian, and real over the top from the beginning. But they sound like Earth Crisis or someone. They're so heavy, and uh, it's really an intense, uh, fun scene to take a look at.
0: Yeah, I I'm gonna check out the I'm check out the doc. Actually, some friends' bands have played Cornerstone, and I went to I'm from Vermont originally, but I went to school in North Carolina, and uh, you know, it's like a Northeast kid going to the South. I mean, it was a shock, but there's the Christian scene um, was huge. Um, I mean, yeah. I, I had an ex-girlfriend that broke up with me for Jesus. Um, <laughs> I'm dead serious. No one's ever heard this story. Actually, I mean,
1: yeah, no, he's, he's tough to compete with, you know, I think it's a lot, a lot of hype at this point, but you can't disprove it. There's no videos, you know, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Holy shit. You're funny. Um, no, it's in, and. and The Christian scene, I mean, there's rules, like there's certain words you can't say at the shows. Uh, Solid State Records, which which was a subsidiary of Tooth and Nail, had a lot of those heavier bands. And, you know, Cornerstone was a huge deal. Um, And, I, I mean, I had friends that I went to school with that were from the South. Their parents only let them listen to Christian music. So if that Christian punk band or that Christian hardcore band was it, that's what they could listen to. Yeah.
1: I mean, that in that way. It's great. They do, you know, uh, I think pretty sure neither of the filmmakers is, uh, Christian, but, um, they do a good job of, you know, not just saying, I'm sure they could have edited it so that, um, someone like myself would just laugh the whole way through, you know, um, just take the most obnoxious sound bites, Mm -hmm. And, uh, there's some homophobic stuff, of course, and all that. And, um, but they don't, um, pun intended. They don't crucify these guys too bad um, or laugh at them too hard, um, and uh, it's it's an interesting look at it. I mean, the the rules. This was a thing that was funny to me in the different types of shows we would go to, even more than the genre of music. I was real aware of the stances of each individual band, so um, some. People would be like in between songs. They have speakers. They were always like, everything I, you see on the stage is uh, uh, non-animal. You know, these are canvas shoes. These are canvas belts. If you're wearing a leather belt. Fuck you. And I look down. I'm wearing a leather belt. I'm like, I guess I really like your music. I didn't. I didn't know about that level. But none of your lyrics say you have to get canvas belts. I didn't know that. And uh, and and then another one will be like. You know, uh, no fighting, and they even ran songs on no fighting in our shows. And uh, if you're gonna be a dick, you like shove, but don't elbow. Or, you know the the rules. Like don't be a dick in the pit and have your <laughs> elbows out or something. But shove and headlock. yeah. don't be a push either. It's like such a little target. It was really funny, and they all had their own rules. And and I thought of it because of the. Uh, homophobic uh, stances from some of the Christian punk bands. I think there were some real pro-gay and pro-women groups back then. I don't know that there certainly weren't a lot of women at the shows of some of these bands, but um, uh, it was kind of a weird thing, like activist vibe to the people in a, to the bands in a cool way that um, I'm kind of poking fun at some of it now, but it was, that was an exciting fitting vibe to it, too. I was like, oh, my parents were hippies and that seems boring to me. I, I agree with the issues generally, but maybe this is my movement. I there's a less exciting um, activism vibe to it too.
0: Yeah. They see, they, there was always something a band was saying. And, you know, I think uh, it's, you know, there's always someone in the crowd that would be like, shut up, you know, <laughs> play the hits. Yes, yes. You know, there's always that yeah. guy, which I loved. I always kind of high fived him Uh or of the, the favorite part is like hardcore bands saying to like, exactly be cool. And then like mayhem, like, you know, people piling on for, you know, singing along and, uh, you know, it's just like everyone be safe out there, but go fucking crazy. (laughs) You know, like what? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, and it seemed to be like
1: dealing with it overlapping with skinhead. Um, in the 90s, there's a lot of, like, we're skinheads, and that we shave our heads. We do not hate anyone. <laughs> and you're, you're like, wow, this is, okay, so, hold on, let me write it down. Where, what is it? <laughs> why, not, why not just say we're balding, or something? Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> did you ever see any oi bands? Like, oi oi bands?
1: Uh, no. One time, in the same house, um, we had the band uh, we were just having a, a non uh, concert party and the people uh, an oi band came over um, and just the general people we lived pretty well off campus at University of Michigan and um so it wasn't It, was, it was just kind of the neighborhood and these guys came in and um I had just all my CDs out by the um uh, stereo and I would just kind of stick out songs and play them and uh thin head dude came up and, and was like, hey, can I, can I play one? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, assuming he was going to pick from my, you know, Naughty by Nature and, and so on CDs. <laughs> and he took one of his own out of his pocket and popped it in. And it was just immediately the, like, eight of them, who I hadn't really noticed how many had gotten there, all made a little mosh pit in our living room, like, by the couch, you know, and are like, marking in circles and stuff and this is like you know, a lot of just our our buddies standing around with cups of beer. It was not the right scene for that and we had to pop it out and there was almost a fight if you don't take out their oi
0: No, you did not take an oi band out before. No That's one no. of the rules, so Mike. I, you didn't know?
1: I know. I know. I knew it and I it's it's one of those calls you have to make. But um but yeah, I've never went to it. Have you been to the the shows? That's gotta be a lot of um
0: Interesting dudes. Yeah, we. I always thought that it was. I always. They, everyone looked like the lead singer of Tad. You remember that band? On, uh, Nir, Nirvana always took around. everyone just looked like the guy from Tad. And uh, I'll, yeah. I'll wait. I'll wait for everybody to search that on the internet. Okay, everybody's done. All right, cool. Um, you know that 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 like it's and it, it's like they're drinking you know alcohol out of jugs. Um, that like that's that's the total visual. Um, I just, I loved, yeah, the hardcore shows were funny. God, we were ridiculous. Um, I had big pants. I was horrible. I had double XL. I don't even think they sold mediums at the shows that I went to. I think it was just large XL. That's it. Um, yeah. Even, even big, for the girls. Biggest.
1: Yeah. Yeah, everything was just just huge. Uh, <laughs> biggest 90 colors ever.
0: I'm kind of glad there was no Instagram back then. <laughs> yeah, there's like there's always going to be like four photos. You don't have like a thousand. Yeah, just
1: it's, it's enough to capture. You can decide if you're going to release it or not. It you know what was uh, fun about those also is um, uh, that your friends seeing your friends dance like that's not something we really did a lot. certainly like if you went to the high school dance, you wouldn't get on the floor and cut a rug, you know, you'd stand there with your arms crossed. Yeah. And um and people would really dance the shows and there were of course like crazy moves. My I was just picturing my friend Scott uh Sheridan would who had some of the biggest genes ever, um (laughs) and was definitely at the center of the uh leaving um, mutilated cow photos on my workspace every morning. Um, but uh, <laughs> he would he would always do these dances and had names for him like the name name and stuff. I mean, the name name is like the current, but he had like picking up change.
0: Yep. His, it,
1: where he would yeah be kind of like grabbing fake change from the ground and putting it in his pocket as he's shifting back and forth, kind of bent over the waist. To, uh, and then a bunch of these, and and he's. Just very quiet, very reserved, super nice dude. The whole ride up he said two words. The band starts, and he's all of a sudden off on picking up change and doing these big, elaborate moves. It was very cool. I was like, this is a kind of a free space.
0: You, know, you just reminded me of... I remember going to shows. I forget if it was in Vermont or North Carolina, but there... I don't, there's always like the guy that had the best moves, and everyone gave him time to do that during the best breakdown. So you know, sick of it all, scratch the surface right before the breakdown. We let him do his signature moves because we want sick of it all to see that our town is what's up. Then there's the guy yeah. that only has one move. There's the guy that just does the dumb shit, and you're just waiting for him to finish because he's doing like the pounding on the ground back and forth, and then he's then he's off. Um, the girl. Uh, that was trying to act tough that had really good moves. But then the guys stuck. Like, it, it's almost like every show. I'm sure you had the same thing. Um, yeah. Do you remember the meme of the girl looking derpy? Do you remember her? Like the hardcore girl doing the dance? No.
1: It's, like um, what do you mean?
0: There's this photo of this girl and I think they've interviewed her pre, uh, you know, after the fact. But there's this horrible photo of this girl doing like a um, doing a hardcore move in in the pit and she has like the worst face like like haim base face kind of faces like it it's 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 that or haim whatever uh it's it's that kind of face and it's turned into like a meme and, and people have used it for like hardcore flyers and stuff um I will uh, I, I, I will send it to you and then for everybody listening I will put this up with, with the uh, post so you'll be able to see it. But uh it's 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 hilarious. I just think were there were there people that you always recognized of like, Oh god, there's Kevin again.
1: <laughs> we had we had one, uh me and my friend uh Quack, uh Steve Kwaikowski would call the number one avail fame in the world. And uh <laughs> he was at all the I mean the, he must have lived in the area as well because he's at every one of their shows. And we'd be somewhere near the front and he just just kind of bigger and meatier and smellier. But it was all about him just kind of um, always trying to get up on the crowd and kind of get the lead singer's face and, and show that he knows the lyrics. And we all know the lyrics.
0: <laughs> I know, and, I know that a, guy.
1: A, of like his sweaty body just kind of being suddenly shoved by him up onto your head as you're enjoying it. And I again this is a it's a fine line, but I love a lot of shoving but you get you get one crowd surf per show. Yes. You can't go up every song again. It's just Unless you know the un- listener already saw you point in his face once and that you know the lyrics. You did it. You're we voted you number one. Now
0: back off. I support the tumblers. You know, the tumblers they jump on and they're not, they're not sticking around the front, you know, where the first, like maybe four or five rows are pushing up with, and then the pits behind them. I like the tumblers that come on, they'll sing, but then kind of roll off like a, like a, like a, um, a gymnast and get back in the pit quickly. So I support that. Yeah.
1: That, that was like, when you feel like the crowd surfer is, um, doing it responsibly. There's a lot of love showing for them. They yes. go down kind of hard. ever and trying to catch them. And it's a very supportive society with that.
0: Um, but if there's a girl there's, or a guy and they jump on and they start putting their arms out like an airplane, Oh, we're fucked. Like just, you know, either move out of the way or, you know,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bad news. That's real bad news. Uh,
0: you just reminded me, and this is bad. Uh, I was at an earth crisis show and I don't know if I was nervous or something, but I yelled a song for them to play. Unfortunately, they already played it. <laughs> so, uh, Carl, Carl looks at me and he's like, "Ha ha, we already played it." And then everybody laughed at me. Um, one of the most humiliating things in my life. Um, <laughs> it feels like yeah, you could have played it off. And you're like, yeah, I play it again. <laughs> but no, I was like, I know shit. You played it. <laughs>
1: I just had a flashback to a bad moment where I I've only had one girlfriend who full on likes, um, hardcore, uh, as much as I, I did and do, um, the rest, I used to try to convince and I, i would stopped that. I don't even try. I just, I'm like, sometimes when I'm writing or working on something, I have to listen to headphones because you won't like what it is. And they just trust me. Yeah. <laughs> but the one that I did, um, I uh, went to shows with and she would go in the pit and get her, like people would grab her butt and stuff. Cause it's a what? You know, 10 to one ratio. And it's really hard to tell who's doing it and everything. And she got, she'd come back and go, That guy grabbed my butt. What are you going to do? And I'm like, Oh man, I don't, <laughs> it added such a stress to have a girlfriend at those shows. And most of the guys were really uh, chill and good guys. And, probably very awkward uh, around close period. But there were, uh, I, I think they're the number one available fan in the world but definitely grabbing a lot of butts the minute he wasn't uh, surfing the crowd. Um,
0: <laughs> and it, it's gone. It's, it's an annoying thing. We can make a list. Every, every typical person at a hardcore show. Um, the, yeah. And the guy that grabs the girl's butts because there's only two girls there. So why are you doing that? There's only two. So if you have any, we
1: have to preserve this. Yeah, other friends. It's pretty fun. Let's go as a group next time.
0: Yep. Nope. I got my I got my butt touched. So let's go to Sephora instead. Um... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Were there any other bands on your list uh, that you were like super into back then, or you have funny memories from? Because God, I haven't been able to talk about hardcore. I always have to talk about emo. This is fantastic.
1: Uh, well, let's see. So, in Chicago, I did get into, uh, through, um, my good friend, uh, Braid and then Hey Mercedes, um, that we talked about a little bit. Um, I never saw, uh, Captain Jazz or any of those, um, offshoots live, even though that's, that's Chicago, right? But again, probably coming and going and I, I just didn't see the flyer. Yeah. Up there, um, uh, I think we covered most of the, the ones that that I was like really obsessed with. Uh, Rainer Maria, I would throw in. Um, this is more back in high school, but I I was obsessed, and that also never saw him live, but uh, l- listened to death to uh, Brainiac,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and still, uh, if I do uh, like a comedy show. They're one of the ones that's really good. A lot of these are great to do as what we call needle drops, which is the music you play in between. If you're doing like a live sketch show, as mm-hmm. uh, supposed to stand up. You do a three minute sketch, the lights go out, and you have to go backstage and change some props or something, and, and you'll need some blaring upbeat. It's usually gotta be um, rap or stuff like this. And and there's a couple of Brainiac tracks that are just immediately so catchy, but also weird. Great to have ones that people don't know or associate with anything, so they're not thinking about
0: that as the new thing. Exactly. Started. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And did you uh yeah. Maria are I saw them back in the day and I recently saw them in uh Brooklyn and it was amazing. They had, they had almost gotten better. Yeah.
1: When when was that, do you think? I never, never This
0: They played at uh Shea Stadium and this was during the summer. I forget maybe July. Um Yeah. And uh they actually just played LA too. They played LA on Friday. Um
1: That's that's awesome. I, I did a comedy show at Shea Stadium uh two
0: months ago or maybe Oh longer, cool. Know, something. Yeah. Yeah, that um, that's a cool venue, and I thought it was perfect. It felt like 1998
1: or 1999. Yeah. Oh, it's such one of those rooms. It's perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I used to like seeing Sick of It All live, but uh, didn't like listening to their CDs. I don't know what that what that separation was, but there's there's something. They were just such a fun live show, but um, I I still always track forward when they come up and yet if they were playing near me i'd I'd go see them it's i don't know what that is but um it's just something about the live energy that and they must be right on the cusp uh to me of uh yeah it's pushed over when it's live you
0: know oh yeah there's some bands i think earth crisis was that for me i loved earth crisis but the records were always i don't know it just didn't i mean after i mean Gamora season's end sounded like a trash can. Like maybe it just the, maybe it was just the recording technology then. Um.
1: Yeah. I like speaking of more producers. I actually really liked um, Designs for Auto, Designs for Auto Motion. Mm-hmm. I think it's called, which was a way different sounding uh, production value, I think to my untrained ear. and um, really liked it. I, I always had songs on the earlier albums that I would like, but I can listen to that pretty much beginning to end still now. or Sorry, um, Snapcase.
0: Yeah, 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 for Snapcase. Um,
1: yeah, Earth Crisis, I, uh, I think I only owned one album, and yeah, it was similar. Definitely had to go with, with the vegan co-workers, you know, and I was just never done into them. I, I liked, I, I guess, same as you, I liked them live. It was, I always had a fun night, but I, I wouldn't praise them unless them.
0: Were you into Quicksand?
1: Uh I knew him a little bit. I didn't I might have seen him once. No, I don't know if I ever saw him. I don't think I did.
0: I think I think you'd be down with Quicksand. The, the their two records were sonically really rad and different and heavy, but singing. Um yeah, they're they were fun. Um but yeah, Snapcase, I just they were probably one of the first hardcore bands that like to me it didn't they didn't look like a hardcore band. Um yeah, they were. I don't know. It was, and uh, randomly, they agreed to do my zine, my my little high school zine. Uh, one of the guys, original members, agreed to do my zine, and I remember. I still have the interview, and it's cringing to read the uh, questions. But uh, um, you know, for them to kind of do that stuff, that was like for me. All right, you guys spent five minutes talking to me. Uh, <laughs> you guys can do no wrong. That's the best. <laughs> yeah, for sure, because it means a lot back then. It? it means a lot back then. I sometimes, I don't know, I just think bands sometimes forget that, and maybe this is as old as time. But when a band kind of takes a second for a, a kid or that dumb kid that's, you know, I was wearing dumb band shirts and someone at a show helped me kind of learn what was going on or dig deeper um, and doing it in the yeah. right way. And just helping someone that maybe got into bad religion and then, all right, I'm going to tell you about X or I'm going to tell you about this band.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, and, and that was a cool thing. A lot of these guys at the shows would be standing around in the audience during the, like, openers. So I, I had a few moments like that where I would just, I clink beer bottles with the, uh, bassist from, you Four, and because I recognize mean, them and, you know, they're, they're kind of left alone and everything, but they, they would be nice generally if you came up to them. It was, it was, a very cool vibe. that's supposed to like backstage and, um,
0: cause they were selling merch. They like, it wasn't like there was a backstage yeah. at those places. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but real quick thing along the lines of what you said about looking hardcore or not. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw, um, me and my friends went to see the Misfits in some revival, um, Reunion, I mean, uh, not a Christian revival. Uh, I can't remember what year, though. I I want to say, like, uh, 2000, but it's usually could like, 2004, or 1996 or something. I can't remember. But we were so excited. Huge Misfits fan. And uh, it wasn't banding, but we were like, it's going to be great anyway. There's just such a physical difference between them and the lead singer, who might be great, might be a guy I should know, but he came on in a straight jacket. Uh, which also felt like a, just one notch too far. Um, the, rest, the rest were in, you know, that type of thing. But he, he literally was trying to get out of the straitjacket, Jacket, and he, he did, luckily, so that the show could go on. Um, I don't know what happens when he doesn't. But, uh, but we left, like, during it. Well, for one thing, they, they didn't have the rights to anything, so they were right, doing just their new album. And for another, it just wasn't the same. They're so big and scary looking and he was like smaller than us. He he was just a little dude. And there's something to be said <laughs> to that. I mean now uh Sam Case's bands identified it uh, came to be regular looking and uh not misfits looking guys who played real hard and loud but um but that was part of what the Misfits game was was that they could they look like they could be the bouncers.
0: Yeah. And there was like this instant respect. Like they I mean you you would you saw them and you're like okay that is a that is that is who they do that th- this is what they do they make music and they scare people <laughs> yeah
1: exactly exactly
0: <laughs> uh well cool well the, is there anything else from the uh from the recesses of your brain about uh, punk rock and hardcore i'm glad you're still going to shows that's the thing a lot of people are like oh i got old uh, my knee doesn't feel good anymore i don't know it's it, I'm glad you're still going to shows and and uh experiencing uh the the horrible guy doing the one mosh move <laughs>
1: yeah gotta i gotta see that guy catching up with him but yeah no i'm <laughs> i'm still on wed and everything so i uh there's no discussion or, or anything to be had and uh, so yeah i gotta i gotta get going I, i'm i'm glad a lot of the bands still play and and uh, i should i should make more of an effort to find out uh uh, some of the younger ones. I um I have worn out all my uh, all my old C D so I'll buy these new CDs and
0: get a <laughs> C D player. <in> there. <laughs> nice. Uh is there anything else that you want to plug or anything else going on that makes sense um, for the fans of Washed Up Emo? Uh,
1: well I I don't know if they uh, um like sketch comedy but I, I've got a sketch comedy album coming out October 30th. Um, you can get on iTunes and everywhere, and I'll tweet about it and all that stuff. But um, it's like, um, you know, like Adam Sandler's in the 90s. They're like sketches. Hell, I did
0: yes. I love those. A lot of,
1: uh, yeah, my buddies at, from work and from Chicago, comedy scene and everything. But um, Jason Sudeikis and Bill Hader and Fred Armisen and all these guys are on it. And we did a blast recording it. And I, I think it'll be real fun. It comes out October 30th and uh, it's called Tasty Radio or you can just look for my name but that's my one plug
0: nice everyone go and do that he's a hardcore kid <laughs> <laughs> awesome uh, well thanks so much it was awesome yeah thank you great talking with you guys. Energy Dome by Snapcase. Thank you, Mike, for being on the podcast. This has been episode 48 and sponsored by Epitaph Records, epitaph.com, and the release, Harmlessness from the World is a Beautiful Place, and I am no longer afraid to die on Epitaph Records. Thank you for sponsoring the show. And final reminder Mike O'Brien's comedy album, Tasty Radio, is out October 30th. And it's like the old school Adam Sandler ones. A slew of guests: Fred Armisen, Phil Hader, Jason Sudeikis. Check it out. I will see you next time on the Washed Up Evil Podcast.